Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. Let's go, Mike. How was your week? My week was good. Very good. Very. I, I did lots of um, little things here and there. Catch up, uh, catching up on some video game time here and there, mm. watching some family-type movies, and, you know, all good stuff. How about you? Did you get to do anything good? Uh, a little bit, here and there. Um... Let's see. Went over the house a couple times last week. Uh, spent one whole afternoon evening just uh, not really working on my lawn, but mowed and ran the uh, line trimmer, as it's called. The, <laughs> we call it a weed whacker. Yeah, right. Um, I used up all the line before I finished that job completely, but I did get my whole, I've got my whole backyard is fenced and... So got all of that both sides and most of the front yard. I've got flower beds in the front that are infested with poison ivy. So I say, cool. did, did I tell you my poison ivy story recently? Did I tell you that? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to make this as short as possible. About four years ago, I was working out in the yard in the corner, front corner of my, my lawn. I felt like a little, uh, what's, uh, I don't know, um, landscaping, I guess, in the front. And okay. and I hadn't, I'd let it overgrow with some stuff and then I went out there and ripped it all out. Uh, three days later I went to Puerto Rico and it was stuff covered all over my arms and legs. I never knew what it was. It took after four <laughs> days I found I found I thought it was some Puerto Rican like mite or something that had gotten me. Um but because it was a lot and it was intense. But three mm-hmm. three, four days later I found out that it was poison ivy and uh I had never been allergic to it before. So now I just kind of have those wonderful things about getting older that you now develop sensitivity to. Maybe you did tell me that because as I've, I've said before, um, I have as recently as, I mean, I don't know that I've had a ton of interaction with poison ivy before, Mm -hmm. but I've pulled out some of the stuff at my house, not now, but like in the spring when it was still fairly dormant, I've run over it with the lawnmower. I have a electric corded lawnmower. So like the cord goes through, the poison ivy, and I handle it later, and I've never had any yeah. uh, ill effects. Knock on wood. Yeah, neither neither but, have I. And I, I mean, I've been in the woods my whole life, and nothing. Uh, my dad gets it really bad, so I don't know if that's a recent development, or I mean, we didn't. He didn't grow up in this area, so right. Uh, well, that that was it's hard to say. That was like let's see, three years, two to three years ago, um, and I have been really lax about even going back over to that area again. And so I mow, and every time I mow, it's that whole area gets worse and worse as it just lets it go, and, and the weeds climb up over things. Pretty much I didn't have any landscaping, but just weeds over there now. I'm like, okay, I need to get in there. This was two, a, week, a week ago from last Friday, and I need to get in there and do something about this. And uh, I got off work, stormed to the front, rolled my sleeves all the way down, got gloves, and mm-hmm. you know had pants on and everything and i just start ripping everything out there i had the cl- like the the lawn clipper hand clipper things so i can yeah, clip yeah. things and i'm just ripping stuff out um and it's in a big pile and then i'm sweating like crazy it was so hot and humid and so i, I go in the house <laughs> i wash down everything immediately just to make sure i think i'm good i did get some poison ivy on the wrists where like when you extend your arm the sleeves sure, kind of roll up yeah. i've been like ah oh, dang it and a little bit on my ankles where it had also gotten up. Um, so that is all to say that, you know, I've been itching nowhere near what I did before, but I, I was smart enough and went to the doctor and said, Hey doc, fix this. Um, but 
I left that pile of stuff in my front lawn and mm-hmm. I've been dreading it all the last week. Like, you know, that I'm going to have to go over there and I'm going to have to deal with it. Um, right. And it was it was a lot. So I can't burn it. You can't burn that stuff because it's toxins in here. Sure. Um, so I was going to, you know, put it in my huge garbage can. And I, again, go out there this last week and or weekend and I and I, you know, doing my best not to breathe or do anything and handle it and just toss it on top <laughs> of the thing. I'm freaking out. Scrub down again. Um, and then but it was just kind of like a huge pile on top of my garbage can and not like the garbage cans empty except for this huge pile sitting on top. So hmm. today I came home and gar- trash is tomorrow. So I had to get it yeah. in there. There's no way that the garbage man is going to take yard waste on top, sitting on top of this. Yeah, yeah. So I come home today and I, I, I look like a guy from a hazmat suit walking out there with a, a shovel to get as far as I can from shoving it down into the pipe. And right. And, and I come back in again and I just scrub myself down like I've been through a ha- you know radioactive waste area. Um, that stuff is no joke. I mean, it is intense just a little bit so never want to touch that area again i think i'm just gonna like put you know weed or was it any kind of killer for anything over in that corner just never touch it again so i I don't i don't uh envy your weed issues this lawn stuff this weekend with poison ivy yeah like i said i didn't um i didn't really get any ill effects from it just uh just ran the mower, ran the weed whacker. That was Tuesday. And then Thursday, um, went and did some more painting. I think I talked about this before. I have to go around the the tops of the walls. Yeah. The, the crowns, uh, and get closer yeah. to that with a with a roller. I've got a small roller, so I, I did that again. I've got a um the first floor of my house is bigger than the second floor. So there's a, an area of roof that's almost flat um, that you can step out onto from the second floor window. Yeah. And that had accumulated like leaves and, and sticks and stuff that had like turned into mulch and were now sprouting weeds and stuff up on my roof. Yeah. And so I went up there with a broom and just knocked all that stuff down. It'll lay in the yard and die. And then I'll, run over it with the mower you know we watched we both watched that chernobyl show it's it's amazing how you know you leave the, our natural human world unattended for long and nature just is like back at home takes over every little bit grows everywhere yeah i mean if you're in a you know i mean where i am is basically prairie it's a little different down south but if you're somewhere you know where there's you know, farmland where things will grow, uh, you know, things will grow. I've constantly got grass and, and weeds encroaching into my drive. Cause I've got just a gravel drive. That's just how it works. Yeah. I got, I, I just realized like this summer and now I got to kind of address it, that I've got weeds growing along my road. Like my road is in the back of my neighborhood and then in front of my house, like half the road, there's weeds growing up in in the road, and I like I don't know what I have to do with that. And I, I mean, is it my responsibility to throw weed stuff on the city road or or county no, road, whoever it is? So, so I, I need to call maybe 
deal with that. But I never realized that weeds coming up a road should be something that you know somebody has to deal with. But <laughs> anyway, so how you feeling good about the the state of the house so far? You, I know it sounds yeah, like I mean, it's normal I mean, maintenance stuff right now. Stuff, yeah, stuff's moving along. I mean, I got some painting done. I got um, took some more measurements for trim. Um, like I said last week, we ordered tile that's not come in yet, so that's still in a holding uh, pattern. I mean, I watched I watched recently rewatched some of your vids that you had like the the that you had up on Drake's Brew House the uh, um, like the demolition videos and stuff that you had. Oh right, I mean, right, right. So you if you look at if you go back and look at some of those, I bet you'd be surprised like at how far you actually have come along, and you're not doing that kind of you know replacement nowadays. You're just doing the normal kind of things that house sellers do which is you know paint tile trim molding stuff like that so yeah that's positive well towards your you know end goal that um yeah that's what's happening on the second floor then down on the first floor we're still in the like you know first coat of paint on some of the drywall all the tile and and stuff before cabinets can go in and um cabinets and so forth man i I gotta i gotta this is no interesting to anybody, but my, I want to gut my whole kitchen and I don't even know where to start with it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to pay somebody to do it, but I, it just sounds like it's something that would cost a half a million dollars to, to, you know, put cabinets in and stuff like that. Mm. Maybe, maybe not half a million, but, but a lot, it's not cheap. It won't be cheap. It's not cheap. Yeah. Did you talking about, uh, yards and, and weeds and stuff? Did you see that, um, that video that our buddy Aaron posted in the group chat last week. Oh man, this is a good topic to talk about. What is that guy's name? He's a he's a botanist, right? Yeah. Um, I watched it like you know, two or three I, of his videos. I, we need I to we need to one up. link it in the show notes. Two, just because it's worth it, and then two, give him some credit. Who is that guy? Do a little uh, Tony Santoro. Okay, go he check is out a, his YouTube channel or whatever he's got. He is a Chicago Italian. Uh, who is very knowledgeable about botany and has a thick Chicagoan accent, if that is something that you recognize, and he swears a lot. Yeah, that's. Um, he, but he, he, he's very, very smart. Oh, super smart. In the, Th- this in is one of those guys way. that, like, as soon as you hear him talk, or if you hear anyone talk like him within five minutes, you're going to make judgments. You're going to be super judgy because it's just, you know, he's swearing like a sailor. He's. He's got when Dennis said thick Chicago accent. I mean, like what you see in the movies kind of accent. And he's using all the slang, all the kind of call outs. And then he he goes into these like botanist plant names and how he knows everything just by looking at them. And he'll he'll pause and say, oh, that's a so and so dendrodendrium of a, this family. It's not of that family. It's not this genus or that. It's uh, none of the and he he knows almost none of the common colloquial names for plants. Like he only knows the scientific names with the genus and, yeah, and whatnot. The whole stuff. And he can pick them out. And he's also super, uh, like conservation type person, like mm-hmm. really big. Um, and it's super cool. Like when you start listening to me, you're like, wow, one, I should stop judging people based on stupid stuff. <laughs> right. You know, and based on their, on their thick accents and speech patterns and speech yeah. patterns. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that's the biggest takeaway. And then two, it's like, I just want to hear more of him talk. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's, they linked the video today. There's one video where he, um, saves a coyote. He, 
Yeah, he saves a coyote in the. I mean, that video started, and I was like, "That's a wild, like coyote cub," and he's touching it. Yeah, he just goes up and he's like, "You know, don't don't bite me. Give me manger rabies." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "What? Well, you're totally going to get mange and rabies <laughs> from this thing." Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 it's you know when he puts his hand in the camera, the dude's like covered in tattoos and stuff. So again, misconceptions about things, people that you you know you about shouldn't people. make. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and this guy, I, I guarantee you this dude has probably doctorates and all sorts of stuff. And if he doesn't, he knows the level of the amount of stuff. Um, yeah. And- I mean, I don't think he has degrees or anything. He just loves learning and stuff, even though he's like, I think his, no, he, I was going to say truck driver, but it's not. He like, he drives trains. I don't know if that's still oh, called that an right? engineer, but um, yeah, it's of all the, the crazy kind of blue collar jobs, but he's just a. You know, he just has a passion for learning and, again, a passion for plants and conservation, which is crazy, very entertaining, very informative right. uh, series of videos. He gets, but, yeah, I'll yeah. I'll link to that in the show notes. It is great. I, I love him talking about, like, you know, some some rednecks coming out and doing some stupid stuff or, you know, making <laughs> making shopping malls and how they're so terrible. And then he's like, you know, if you just let this overgrow, then you can save the, the planet. And I'm like, what a mixture of someone right you know yeah it's yeah uh, it's i i love watching those kind of videos and realizing that that humankind is amazing and anyone who makes generalizations like myself will do on occasion is it's just wrong you just can't generalize the world you know people are different they're so amazing and different and huge array of you know you can be you can't just be left or right or Republican or Democrat or like this person no, or not no, like that person. Nobody nobody perfectly fits into any box. I I got into this uh to this is going to seem like a very a very severe uh pivot, topic pivot, but I was talking to my brother about um Andrew about video games and things you do in a group. We were talking about MOBAs, Heroes of the Storm and, and League of Legends, but this is a thing I I've witnessed a lot in World of Warcraft playing dungeons is you'll be doing something with a team with a party and maybe you have like in his case he was trying to introduce some new players to League of Legends and they got matched up against what they call smurf players smurf accounts which is where a very experienced player will make a new account so that they can go through the progression again to like stream it or prove a point or whatever but you've got people at the low level tiers who are way above that skill level um and so you're just they're just destroying the new and and he's like he's like hey that's it's not cool i've got new players here right this is what you guys are doing is lame and they're like whatever you know get good it's 2019 (laughs) and i said that's a thing that's a thing i witness a lot in world of warcraft where i'll be gone for a while and i'll come back and they're all these looking for group tools so i'll just jump in a in a game and people in a in a looking for a raid will will say stuff like how do people still not know these fights right because the 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 raid's been out for a couple months and i'm what i said to andrew was like yeah it's like have you never met another human being who was (laughs) different from you who was not exactly the same as you as in literally everyone ever <laughs> right it's right. like it it's it doesn't even in this specific case it's like it, it's not even comprehensible to you that someone has not been playing as long to the same 
amount degree right. that you have. You know, that, like that's a everyone's lot. different with different lives, yeah. and that, that's yeah, a, well, you and I have talked about this offline and online. A lot of stuff is that we 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 also tend to distill each other down to our groups of friends or our circles or our social mm. circles, whether it be online stuff or offline stuff. You know, family members or. Uh, work people and your little clicks that you might have that you get people that are kind of like you and think like you and then you have a hard time understanding that that people aren't like that and and the majority of the world isn't like your your circle of people who are just like you um and then you know if you could take a step back and say that like oh that you had mentioned something about kids earlier like oh people have kids and that changes their whole perspective on time and sure and i don't see yeah. things like that and and even even in really small ways where like you know we've known each other for a couple years uh-huh. and we'll get in a conversation and I'm like oh, wait how how is it how is it that you and I disagree on this when we agree on so many other things or people's opinions or perspectives or whatever change about things because yeah. we're always trying to maybe we're not always trying to learn but we're always trying to get to a point of understanding and a lot of times that means to stop learning right yeah to say right. like yeah. this is a thing i understand and it's this way and that's and that's it it's done I, this this frustrates me at within my job because i'm a developer and of uh-huh. course things are always changing and and progressing and mm-hmm. i'm like uh no i don't want to i don't want to learn anymore about this like i understood it before <laughs> i know and now yeah, i'm right and now i'm you know starting over again i'm not literally starting over but yeah and people are the same way like people um are are infinitely complex right like right. we barely understand ourselves let alone another person and you get you get a picture in your mind of of who and what somebody is even if there's somebody you know it's like the next level beyond the the kind of prejudice stereotype you were talking about earlier and then you know people change people have good and bad days good and bad moods and and all of that and and you you're surprised you know you're caught off guard you're like mm-hmm. oh i thought that you you didn't do this thing like i understood this thing about you and now you're you're doing this because you know if if a person is not just completely boring and stagnant in their life they're trying to change and grow and improve and um or they're going the other way <laughs> yeah right right uh and that's yeah it's just always some kind of surprise some kind of uh well surprise yeah no I'll, I'll tell you i, I didn't i didn't pl- we, we obviously didn't plan this part of the conversation but um my i i had and i don't think i've said this on the show but i've i'm going back to school for in in this fall for my master's degree and my the degree I'm going for is in, in a, uh, a school of science. It's a science degree on something called informatics, and I have a mm-hmm. bachelor's degree in informatics. And and long story short of that, it's it's a it's a blend of technology and another kind of uh, study. Say say you could have technology. You learn half of your study is in technology stuff, maybe coding or computing and te- stuff, and the other half is say in biology or. Um, even, hmm. you know, interior design or whatever, so that you can understand different fields and bring technology into that kind of stuff. Um, I see. So it's a, every kind of degree is very tailored to different kinds of fields. So even though you have a, an informatics degree, 
that doesn't say anything. What kind of informatics do you, what flavor is what you should mm. kind of ask, right? Um, gotcha. So, um, and, and mine was when I got my undergraduate degree, it was like a human computer interaction. So that being said, how that's relevant to this is that I'm starting my master's degree in the fall and uh, I have to choose, I'm meeting with my uh, uh, academic advisor this advisor, Thursday. Yeah. Um, and he is going to sit down with me as a, ma- I've discovered that a master's degree in this field is almost like an independent degree where you pick the things you want to be in your degree. And, and he okay. will advise you. He will say, well, let's put some technology stuff with this, with that and not, or more in this. Um, so I, I have, I was kind of at a loss. I wanted to get my master's degree because, um, you know, it's lifelong learning is good. I'm, I love learning and knowledge and learning from other people. So I'm at a, a university. Why do I not do this? So that's why my goal, but I have to go in there and have like a goal about what I want to learn about. Plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that was a long thing to say that something I've been zeroing in on recently is a thing called uh, Computing Culture and Society, CCS. And that's that's how people with technology and how that affects how we react in our society. society, We're just talking about like these um, social circles and how technology has changed those social circles or how it affects Mm. society and and how we can change that, make it better, improve it, you know, how it is studying it, researching it. And uh, I've been talking to Sydney, my thir- you know, 13 year old daughter about, <laughs> she was asking me like what I'm going to do. And we had these long conversations about this and I'm, I've still kind of been up in the air, but just our conversation tonight is even making me lean more into this stuff that like, we have all these online social circles of people within games and Facebook and networking and it's you know you have these stigmas of toxicity or the internet's terrible or it's a right. great place of conversation and debate uh, that's really interesting to me and this guy that does his botany stuff just kind of excites me even more for that because we don't know all the people in the world we don't know you know the internet can make society seem simple and you know it's not like me, just like you said. They're not like me. How dare they play this game? It's been out for a month, you know. Right. And and, and it's a lot of our systems and our applications and our stuff that we have today l- allows us to get into this kind of toxic mode where we're you know everybody's the, you know think like us or or or, or you're out. Um. So I I don't know. It's crazy stuff, but I'm really really interested in that, and I think that that's something that this video of all things helps kind of, (laughs) you know, encourage me even more into that kind of stuff, realizing that I, that people aren't the same and that people are amazing and different culture and society is so cool. And the internet and technology should make that stuff even better. Unfortunately, we've used it a lot of times to be not so great. Um, Yeah. It's, it's hard to, you know, especially at this point, it's become so ubiquitous in our lives. Like, how to what did somebody add? I mean just the things that that you knew I yeah. listened to a, a fascinating podcast called the omnibus with um John Roderick and Ken Jennings mm-hmm. uh, that's the jeopardy guy yep. I've probably talked about the show before um, and they talked about photomat which was a freestanding uh, photo processing service okay and they didn't even do the photo processing there like they would just collect it and deliver it from that location but a truck would come by 
every day and pick it all up and take it mm-hmm. to where it had to be processed. Right. Um, the, mostly went out of business by like uh, 1980. But um, one of the things they said anecdotally is they're like, it must be very hard for anyone under 40 to comprehend like what film photography was. Oh, right. I, and I imagine, and that like right. lag time. I mean, it was for me, I've used a dark room and I'm not 40 yet. But <laughs> yeah, if you're maybe not 40, but if you're under Close, 30, yeah. like you've probably never used a film camera. Right. And some people, there was a little bit of a resurgence of, uh, Polaroids sure. a little bit back, but that's just for nostalgia reasons. You know, people don't know that. And that's a technology that was super big and important and cool I think they, and mysterious. I think they brought that up too. One of one of those two guys said, he said, when I got my first iPhone, it was cool, but it still wasn't magic the way that the first time I saw a Polaroid was magic. That's cool. Because photos used to be so slow, like you'd go on vacation and then, you know, weeks later or whatever, you'd you'd see the photos and find out whether they were any good. Where like you did did the Polaroid and you're like, how is it doing that? How how is it just it's just showing up now, like right now, right now. Right. You know, we in a way that at that time, like, I mean, we had microwaves, but nothing else was instantaneous like that right you know you know our our technology that we have and its effects on society has only been around for like what since the 50s so that's right you you know we're talking about 70 years and the the effects on society and our culture and stuff it it has moved as fast as the computer moves you know it's is you know and, and that kind of technology we've seen advancements in humans skyrocket more than any other time. Yeah, sure. The wheel was an advancement. Aqueducts were amazing. These kind of things happened, but they happened every couple hundred years. A couple hundred years, stuff. right. Now, in within 70 years, we've had massive technological advancements in our society, and, and we don't know really how that's kind of affected us as people and humans. Um, and we'll talk about it here in a minute when we when we um, talk about the great the, the was it the great dictator? He he mentions it in his last speech, um, and it's it's really interesting to me, you know how how uh, technology and has changed our culture or is changing our culture, and and we don't even know it. We won't know it, like you said with the Polaroids thing. We won't even know it until we can stand back twenty years from now and say like, whoa, that was that was a huge thing, and it really affected us, you know. The, mm. Because I I know that being a guy when the internet was out. Like it was called, we had the Vax machines, what they're called, and, and Unix. We would sit there and have internet and message boards and stuff. We knew it was mm-hmm. cool, and it was fun, but we never saw it having the cultural and world impact that it had. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, you know, the access to information. I mean, I've, I'm sure I've said this before. My, my parents used to, whenever we're watching TV together, they'd play the game of like, oh, you know, Dad would pause it, and he'd be like, who, who was that guy? who's that guy you know who was who he in whatever movie like the mm-hmm. guessing game mm-hmm. and i mean that's that's pointless now because somebody will ask while it's playing and then somebody will pull up imdb on their phone and of course because we're all adults sort of half watching the show anyways you know people are my parents run a business so you <laughs> know somebody will be working somebody's answering an email and we watched what did we watch with 
Um, do you remember the figure skating movie, uh, Cutting Edge? Cutting Edge, yes. Topic. Um, that girl voiced oh, something that we watched recently. Oh, she was adult Nala in Lion King. Oh, yeah, yeah. And somebody somebody asked, they're like, who's doing that voice? And either my mom or one of my sisters recognized it, her, and were like, oh, it's, you know, from Cutting Edge. And then, you know, five minutes later, you know, my other sister is like, is that the girl from Cutting Edge? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't you didn't hear us earlier. And then 20 minutes later, you know, my dad is like, that kind of sounds like what's her name from Cutting Edge. I'm like, <laughs> is anyone paying attention to this movie at all? <laughs> these these conversations go, going around back and forth. Right. I, well, I had I had a uh, um, thing today. We talk about like technology's changed stuff. What you just said was uh, I was sitting at lunchtime, and uh, this girl was sitting. At, one of my coworkers was sitting across from me at the table, and I was I had the computer in front of me on the wall, messing with some internet stuff. And we started on a conversation she wasn't paying attention to. So she started doing crossword puzzles and she would randomly say, who is this? And you no longer have to think about it anymore. Crossword puzzles are useless because now I can just search whatever the answer is right now. And, and I think, how did people even do crossword puzzles like in the 80s? You know, it just you just wouldn't get the answer. You know, now you. Yeah. Or it's uh, crossword puzzles are one of those things like. Well, like Scrabble, it's very like Scrabble, where it's it's a thing, but the but the knowledge is very specific. Like you get used to the sort of clue patterns that they use, especially if you're like the the Will Shorts, you know, stuff from New York Times. You know that it's always it always sort of follows this way of thinking. And Scrabble is the same way. Like it seems <laughs> like it's spelling words, but winning at Scrabble is about you know, knowing those points really well, knowing those obscure words, all the like, all of the two letter words that have a Q that are legal Scrabble words kind of thing. It's very niche uh, she, knowledge. She, she, she asked a question and I was like, here, let me look it up. And she said, you can't do that. That's cheating. Or, you know, you, I, and I, my response to her was like, no, people on crossword puzzles, don't you expect you to know everything? And she looked at me and flat out said, yes, they do. Crossword puzzles expect that's what crossword puzzles make make them special is that they expect you to know all the most trivial little things of the world. Yeah, it's like it's like Jeopardy or um well, yeah, it's like Jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny that that our world was ba- that pre 1950s, you know, the our world was based on knowledge of retaining facts and now today we no longer live in a society where we have to use our memory for things. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a joke I've seen online a couple times in the last few weeks, few months. Uh, you know, some doctors will post a I don't know if this is real, probably is somewhere. Some doctors will post a sign in their office that says, "Don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree." Right? <laughs> right. Because people people put their symptoms into uh WebMD and, you know, they automatically have cancer or exactly. whatever because exactly. because there's so many overlapping symptoms. Medicine is so complex, which, but, which is worse because I, I saw I used to go to just a walk in clinic doctor and that clinic here at IU Health would um, he'd walk in with the computer and read off the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are the doctor would he would. And I would be like, are you reading my oh. MD? Is that what's happening? 
Mm, that's funny. Terrible. But anyway. anyway, the 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 punchline of that story is that um people would make a whole set or something. The one I the first one I saw was a whole set. It's like, you know, for doctors, for dentists, for lawyers, oh, yeah, yeah. for whatever and then the the bottom right corner was like uh IT professional or <laughs> software developer or whatever yep, and they're yep. like don't confuse your Google search with my Google search <laughs> because good. the the field is so is so broad there are so many things you know our one of our right. friends messaged me the other day and they're like well, somebody i know is looking for they're doing a they have a startup that's a couple years old and they're looking for someone uh in cybersecurity that's kind of what you do isn't it and i'm like no well i'm a i'm a software developer but i don't know anything about cybersecurity. yeah that's crazy i mean you and i are in pretty much the same field and i guarantee you we do vastly different stuff yet we would probably call our both call ourselves developers yeah and you know the answer to that question like what do you do i always have to tailor to the audience like Mm -hmm. who am i talking to and how much are they going to understand uh, what I'm saying, if I'm at the combine or tech conference in Bloomington, I can get really specific about what I do. Right. If I'm talking to, you know, uh, one of my mom's friends in the homeschool theater group, I'm like, yeah, I work on websites. Right. You but know? but, but th- there's a certain level where you get to like, I work in technology and they're like, can you fix my VCR type thing? Right. 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 <laughs> right? And you're like, that's, that's a nice throwback. Nobody has VCRs. Anymore, but. <laughs> but that was a, Can you set the client the time on my VCR? Yeah, can you set the set the timer on my on my VCR to record <laughs> my my program? My program. <laughs> um, so I love where it. where oh. was I going with that? Oh, that anyway. That in at least in my field, when I'm when I'm trying to do a thing, if something's not working, I'm going to Google it. Uh, yeah. You know, I had that a couple of years ago. My brothers and brother in law and I were trying to um, have a LAN party. We we're trying to play a computer game on several laptops, and somebody's game client wasn't loading they got an error and i'm like did you did you look up that error and they're like what no why would i i'm not gonna find that i'm like if you're getting an error somebody else has gotten that error let me look at it let me google it and they're like what happens if i'm getting this error they're like well if you open this file and change this line like this comment this out it should be fine and i'm like here you go fix it this is right this is like 80% 80% of my job. I, I had an inside, this is an inside baseball thing for anyone who might be the small percentage of our listeners who are some kind of developers out there. Thing today uh, with my orientation at, at, at the grad school was um, mm. they had a 30 minute talk because it's a very serious topic on plagiarism and what is plagiarism and academic, uh, academic mm. honesty or something. Sure. Um, and, and integrity. As, Integrity, academic integrity. And, and I'm and I'm going through this and, you know, I'm I'm really confident about this grad degree thing. Like I, I know so much about I know these professors. I know a lot of the stuff that they do. So I'm confident. And then they start going on this plagiarism stuff. And I'm like, you know, like 50 percent of my job is going to Google and finding out what somebody else did. You know, and, mm-hmm. and then modifying it for my own purposes. Like if if I go to my homework and they say, like, build this this function, I'd be like, my first thing to do would be go to Google and see what, you know, the source people say about it. Yeah, the sort of design pattern or, or whatever. Right. Because in the real world, that's what we do. But that's it, the 
that's the idealistic promise of open source computing, open exactly. source software. Maybe I should maybe when I if I decide that I'm gonna I'm gonna you know copy somebody's code, I should say that to the professor. It's the promise of open source computing. <laughs> no, no, not that I would. Do. I, I get it. The idea of, of graduate school is to uh, inspire your own unique thoughts and problem sure, solving stuff. Sure. But anyway, I thought that was funny that you know uh, uh, we do go even as professionals, especially IT professionals, go to Google. And, and our peers to, to answer questions. Yeah, I mean, because you, you know, you have time. It's not surgery, you know, mm -hmm. with a living bot. And, and if you make a mistake, you fix it. It's no, you know, there's no physical materials. There's... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And we got, we got inside baseball there, but hey, yeah. Hey, how about our uh, weekly challenge? <laughs> how about our movie? I was, I, I tried when you said, when you said the fifties, that seemed like a good window <laughs> to segue, but we, we went further down we further that. that one. Hey, uh, so we got th this, uh, trail. We're, 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 we'll do our little uh, song transition here, but uh, we got some political stuff in this one. We got some, which is funny for a comedy type show and it's an old one so let's talk about our uh 2020 challenge what do you say okay so this is an old movie with 1939 is that correct uh 41 i believe 41 okay a little bit later so the u.s entered world war ii in 42 december 7th so everyone knows this is the charlie chaplin movie uh the greatest dictator uh, great dictator the great it is he is the uh, greatest, but yeah. it says 1940 i think that's w because that's when it was made hmm, it was okay. released in march of 41 okay 41 so at this point it's and that's that's kind of important to know about this movie is that is that it was released when britain was in in the war it was written by charlie chaplin and mm -hmm. it, it before britain entered the war and then he started filming like six days after they declared war so this was for world war ii um yeah so let me let me hit the bell because we're going to spoil this story and then okay. at the end we'll have uh um final judgments sure so here's a spoiler bell there's our spoiler bell i i i gotta say as a little bit of a preface too i we don't talk about politics here, and I know we're not going to get too much into politics, but if if politics are a thing that you don't even want to hear about, I think we're going to talk at least a little bit about it. Politics of yes. the past and maybe Hist how it Historical to politics, one, yeah. Um, to, to current times. But um, I, I, I got to start off, Dennis, by saying that we, you and I talked last week, and I had a bit of a small epiphany about our, our 2020 challenge poster. Right, uh, right. Of this, you know, looking at things through metadata from art appreciation, from movie appreciation, as opposed to, like, do I think this is entertaining? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I did. I, I really this week. I I took a conscious effort, letting you know that to to look at this as like, you know, okay, let's. This is an old movie. This isn't one that I'm excited to watch, like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Um, let's take this from an art appreciation type stance read about yeah, it understand and, it and i think we can almost add to this discussion every week to say uh which of those which of those two categories does a given movie fit into or does it fit into both is this a is this a movie to that's fun to watch that's, to enjoy or is this a movie that's as i like to say significant in the history of film i, I agree i agree and and this one for me, I, I enjoyed the fact when I stepped back after it and watched it and, and had to think about it for a second that I could say honestly that 
two, three weeks ago, had I reviewed this movie when you and I were sitting here, I would have said that ah, I wasn't great. I don't, you know, mm. it was not fun. <laughs> it was a waste of my time. I got what I was doing, blah, 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 politics. Um, but it was not entertaining from a comedy standpoint or a, should I watch it today? I would definitely do a pass. That being said, since I now watched it from a different standpoint, I think it's an incredible movie and I have a lot to say about it. How did you feel about this movie? Um, well, I was very surprised at, at the, when the movie started because I thought and said last week that this was a silent film. This is not a silent film. No. Um, he, you know, he wanted it to be a silent film though. Like Cha- Chaplin wanted, he's, he did several and he wanted this to be a silent film, but he gave up on the fact that like, you know what? It's, it's an inevitable thing. And so I'm going to do it. He was, he was one of the last directors to transition from, mm-hmm. well, they didn't call it silent film, but to transition into talking pictures. Yeah. Right? And, and this one, he, he didn't want to, but he realized he had accepted at this point that it's the future and I have to do it. And this is, I think this is his first movie where he, he does sing in the one before this modern times, but it's gibberish kind of like his German in this, in this movie. Um, and that again, I know we don't, I, I didn't look at any meta stuff context before I watched it, but then I did afterward went on YouTube and pulled up some videos and it's significant that he talks because he gives a speech at the end. Like, Charlie Chaplin had never talked in a movie before. And so in this one, he, he does talk and he really talks. If you go on YouTube and Google, not Google, if you go on YouTube and search, um, like the greatest film speech ever, you'll find the speech at the end of this movie. Side note, you just used Google, Google in replacement a synonym of a for search, search. Yeah, yeah. which is pretty interesting. We'll talk about that later. Um, but the uh, yeah, to- totally, and and I don't want to talk about that speech yet because that's the thing I want to talk to. That's about. at the end. That's a, that's the thing at the end. Um, but you know, for the first twenty minutes of this movie, you can tell that he is a silent film actor transitioning to to talk because he, the character of the barber doesn't talk a lot, and no, and, and when he talks, I you know I kept thinking like is is he just this character mute, and then he, he does <laughs> say words. Um, but you're like, oh, this really felt like Charlie Chaplin is used to not talking when he's yeah. As it as it started, as it went, um, I I was like, oh, maybe everyone's talking but him. And then he gets the hand grenade and he talks to the guy, and I'm like, nope, he's talking. He's talking normal, full sentences. I guess, I guess not. Yeah, it, it just it's a neat this. If, if anything about where this movie stands in cinematic history, it's that transition point between you know, silent movies and then actual talking, which is a neat kind of idea. You can watch this and say like before this, there was a, there were still a lot of movies being put out that were silent. And mm-hmm. this is that you had actors and directors and filmmakers who had this whole crazy idea that sound, you know, words were a thing. Uh, so this was neat to watch that and see, and see that kind of a thing. It, re- a lot of the it reminds me a little bit, it reminds me a little bit of um, when we watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that was later. That was in the... It wasn't much later, was it? It was in, like, in the 60s? It was in the 60s, yeah. I mean, that's 20 years. That's a huge difference. Uh, 66, so 25 years. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty um, significant. 
But uh, that director, um, uh, Sergio Leone, mm. uh, was Italian. And even though, you know, there was obviously talking in those movies, because they were bilingual, the focus was more on the visuals. Yeah. Right? And so, like, the, you know, the voices wouldn't be dubbed over the mouths perfectly. And it didn't matter because his whole focus was on how, what does it look like? Yeah. Um, and you get some of that here. There are, there are long segments in this movie where I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a scene out of a silent film. Yeah. Um, you right. know, he, he dances with the globe. He does, you know, the barber character mm-hmm. does stuff with the, um, shaving the guy or polishing the guy's head. Like that's all straight out of a, straight out of a silent film. And a lot of the, um, I don't want to say fights, but the fights between the barber and the girl and the um, Gestapo, the yep. who are they're basically stand-ins for Keystone Cops yep. of the era. Um, but this very like slapstick, uh, is something I associate with the Three Stooges, yeah, um, yeah, kind of kind of visual style. It's it's very slapstick comedy, and and that's that's one of the things that like again hat on of just entertainment was not that interesting. They, they were a semi silly, but felt super old and done better since we've known it in the last 70, 80 years. Right. It's, it's the kind of thing where, I mean, 1940 is almost 80 years ago. Exactly. Um, and th- there's a sense, I remember experiencing this when I took film appreciation, we didn't watch this movie, but we watched uh, city lights, which is one of his earlier, not earlier, but like two or three films before this, like 1930, 31. It's just, people are just starting to make talking pictures at the time. And our uh, professor sort of warned us that um, in these early days, it's like um, the comedy was still this vaudeville, vaudevillian kind of uh, thing where you can, you can have a joke. You can have a gag, a sight gag, as we call it now, um, and you can you you could run with it much longer back then. Oh yeah, because if you think you know somebody watching this may have never seen a movie before, a you know a moving picture, right? Yeah, like maybe they've seen photographs, but and maybe they've seen a circus or something. But they've never seen anything like this, right? And, and they're so, just marvel that the action happening on this uh, in front of them. Yeah, and so, uh, so a policeman can swallow a whistle and be like choking on it and making bird tweeting sounds, and and you know that can be uproariously funny, and that can go on for you know five seven straight minutes exactly. in a way that even in you know two thousand two when I saw it, it was like. Okay, we get it. He swallowed the whistle. That's hilarious. Can right. we move on? Right. I mean, I mean, it's it's all new. Like it's all you're seeing yeah. everything for the first time, which is something we can't. I can't from an entertainment perspective. Does this entertain me today? You can't get. Um, no. But, I mean, and you can again. You can watch something like this to appreciate the history of it. I mean, I've I've made several attempts to watch um, the old what is now distinct as the old twilight zone yeah um 
And I'm like, oh, this foreshadowing is so ham-fisted. It's like right. the camera zooms in on the gun on the desk and lingers there for 30 straight seconds. I'm like, <laughs> we see the gun. Can you move on, please? Right, right. Uh, it just you, you just can't. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it, but it needed to be before. So, so this one has. Uh, let's get into the this movie. I, I will say that okay, historically, we, we talked about like the, the filmmaking of it and the people in the audience. But yeah. historically, is it is very important to to realize. And you and I said this before when it was made, and, and what was going on. Um, this was. You said to me offline here. You you used the phrase propaganda film. Like th- this, he, he, Charlie, it's good to know that Charlie Chaplin made this movie himself. People mm-hmm. said he shouldn't make it, but he had, he had made enough money that he could fund it and produce it himself and right. direct it and make it. He had something to say. And it was, I'm, I am definitely one of those first people that will step up and say, Hollywood, leave your, your, leave your opinions at home. You're just actors. You're not a, a thing, but right. you know, uh, this is one of those things that get made me take a step back and say, you know what? Sometimes people need to speak up anyway. And this movie is clearly about, you know, Nazi fascism and the oppression of the Jews and the Holocaust dictatorship. I mean, this is again, made in 1940 released in 1941. I think um, there's a, there's a quote from Chaplin saying if he had known the extent that the Holocaust would go, he would not have made this movie because there, you know, there are elements of the conflict between the Nazis and the Jews that he's making light of. Yeah. It does, it does, you know, progress throughout the film, but in the early, in the early scenes in the first and second act, it's all, it's all silly and, and, you know, mockery kind of uh, stuff. And and that's important. That's, that's why I say it's important to know exactly when this is made not just like oh it's world war ii no you need to know that this was right be like these atrocities were happening but overseas it was kind of seen as not as serious as it actually was you know you you have a lot of news and today we would call fake news or not news or news and it's and it's in 41 it's still um it's still just you know general mistreatment and oppression it's not fully into final solution gas chamber uh kind of stuff in in large at large at a large scale you know it's just the kind of like moving them into ghettos and moving them to different cities keep them all you know denying them but that's important that's important to know because you know again we we look at the holocaust as something like oh to you know one day that the hitler and the nazis decided that they were just going to gas and murder everyone that's not how it happened you watch this no, movie and you realize all. that it's a slow decades several decades long thing that people were making a movie where they were just making jokes about jews written on the on the side of the wall and them having to wear stuff and mm-hmm. and and it, again chaplin was just it felt really odd to watch this movie and you're like, Oh man, he's making this seem silly. And it's not, I've seen Schindler. We watched Schindler's list as the first one on this movie, on this whole thing. Mm. And, and they just didn't know that then. I mean, we still have unbelievers these days now, deniers and deniers. Yeah. And, and now back then you definitely, this was like Chaplin saying, this is a real thing. Pay attention, you know? And, And it's still making a comedy, which made this movie so interesting because it's definitely he's trying to tell us about what's happening. And it's serious in the world and people that we care about, 
yet still making slapstick, slapstick, <laughs> yeah, slapstick Jewish, you know, jokes. I mean, know? definitely in the well. Of course, this is before any of that, but years later, when um, when Mel Brooks or you know the Monty Pythons would make you know make comedies, they were hearkening back to this kind of stuff. You know, Mel Brooks put stuff in his movies that was vaudeville kind of humor. You watch um, uh, Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, Gene Wilder gets to the house, and Igor says. Oh, walk this way. And he kind of, because he's a uh, hunchback, he's hunched way over and he's walking. And so Gene Wilder walks the way he walks. It's a very vaudeville, silent film kind of gag. Right. Um, and so you see stuff like oh, the names. All of the names in this were jokes. Garbage. The names, <laughs> names of everything. Uh, um, no, I'm, I'm saying Hinkle now. What's, um, oh, yeah. Hi- I- Himmel. And and uh, is it Himmel? Gobbles is the one. Garbage is the one that got me. Right. Garbage is the name that he gives Gobble. Gobble. (laughs) Gobbles. It's something like that. Um, And the other one he calls Herring. Is it Herring? Oh. And that... uh, Man, I can't remember... Hitler's yeah, Herring, uh, which was the head, guy with the, the medals. Yeah, yeah. Um, his name is Hummel or Himmel, something like that. <laughs> right. Um, and of course, the the main character is uh, Adenoid Hinkle, Hinkle instead of Adolf Hitler. They're in uh, Tomania, which is yep. Germany or Germania. And and they like the Aust- What's the Austria thing when they're going to invade Austria? Oh. It's it sounds like ostrich, but it's it, like Austerlich. Right. Like yeah, and, and it's it's just flat out straight. And they have the the um which got me the thing was that the Mussolini carry was Mussolini N- is Napolini. Napolini, right. right. Uh, so this movie in itself, like in the actual content with the character names and the, the, the world names was just flat on the nose. It felt like a Saturday night live sketch where he's like you know, tr- definitely saying something. Uh, by the way, he said they asked, before this movie was put out, they were like it, at the time people thought that making fun of Hitler was very um, not a cool thing to do. Not because of like they respected him or anything. It was just kind of like there's a lot of serious things going on here with this guy, and we need not 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 make a comedy about him. Um, right. You know, it's 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 a heavy serious thing. There's a guy over here doing some things, and we got to be pay attention to. You shouldn't make funny jokes about it. And um, he responded with, he definitely needs to be made fun of because it's crazy. That's the same kind of thing. And here's my get a little bit political here. The same thing that goes on today with like, we need to make fun of these people in politics because they're so insane. You have to laugh because it's wrong. You know, it's, it's just yeah. it's just crazy not to laugh at this kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, he, uh, when, when he makes this movie and he does, you know, the, the, the jokes and they, they do get funny, by the way, the funniest thing I thought about this movie was the, that they chose a guy from with the Bronx accent or the Jersey accent for Napoleone. Uh, and, and he's coming in and that's when the movie started getting funny. 
<laughs> when the the Italian guy comes in and they have the the guy from New York Bronx accent, you know, yeah, being him. Uh, that was funny. Uh, so anyway, speaking since we're a little bit into politics here, the last five minutes of this movie is him giving a speech where a lot of people say he breaks character and looks right at the camera and delivers a very political speech. How did you feel about that at the end? Um, it was a little strange, um, for sure, but I, I saw what he was doing. It was kind of like, um, you know, in the way that he, he sort of introduces the Hitler character with this, you know, uh, pigeon German mockery kind of thing. Um, and, and it's he says Wiener Schmitzel like every other word. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's there's real there's real German in there, but it's much too much like the German words that any average American would know, like sauerkraut. <laughs> sauerkraut. And he he does such a crazy good job of making that crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, just in in the way that you get, you know, and they and they do comedy with uh, with the translation, with the interpreter, um, <laughs> and it and it ties in with the speech at the end because he he gives these things. He's like, you know, um, li- liberty stinka, and they're like, mm-hmm. liberty is odious, <laughs> right? And and freedom is, and democracy is no good, and whatever. And then he gets to um, garbage's speech at the end where he's saying those things sincerely, like it's not funny anymore. This is what they literally believe. Yeah. And, and so then he, because he's been, because the, the barber character has been confused for, uh, Hinkle gets up there and gives this speech. That's, it's sort of, it fits in with his character, but you can tell that it's both Mm -hmm. right. It's, it's both Chaplin and the character. And it's, you know, it's more impactful if you realize that he's never spoken in film before. Yeah, um, right. And here he and, has something to say. And here he has something to say. And he says it. And it's, and and that's, and that's, that's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, the, 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 something, you know, I, before this, before I read a lot about it, I, I'd known Charlie Chaplin as the silent film guy that looked like Hitler. Right. That, that's what that's what I remember. And I think most people in the world will do remember that. Somebody um, said this. I think this is the YouTube video that I looked up. He said that this movie um, was Chaplin's attempt to take his mustache back. Oh, that's funny. The, the Chaplin, I, I disagree, actually disagree with that. But Chap, Chaplin said several times that in, in several different citations you can read where he they ask him about his mustache and, and he was very 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 aware of his similarity to hitler not just in his look but also they were born close to the same exact day Mm. so so they had and they also were poor people that came in rise in popularity and made made Mm. self-made man type things so he was super aware especially when writing this of the similarities between himself and this other person and he kept his mustache afterwards for a long time because he said that he felt that Hitler was the other side of the coin to him. Like, just because you know, they're two sides of the same coin. They, in 
if things had been differently, maybe in his life, he could have been a Hitler. So many different in Hitler's life, he could have been, you know, chaplain. Um, so he felt that I wouldn't say kinship, but that understanding of humanity of, of, a, of a person that's just wrong, right? That's and, just making wrong decisions. And I can I can see that parallel in these two characters. I mean, exactly. they, they say that in the credits because this is back when. Um, you know the movie a movie had all the credits at the beginning mm-hmm. um they they say that the last title card is you know any <laughs> any similarities between hinkle and the jewish barber are purely coincidental <laughs> i love that funny line. i love cuz he's line. playing both characters yeah. and yeah that's an attempt to you know the the jewish barber character is is sort of the charlie chaplin analog it's like he's here and Hinkle is up here and they, you know, they have these different lives. And then when he gets to a place where people are listening to him, this is what he says. Yeah, that's that's exactly that. That When that happened, that felt even more impactful because I had read about this before was that it was because it happened really quickly, by the way, if you didn't notice, like for the whole show, he's the barber and he's going through the whole jewish uh, ghettos and that's the story they're telling and then in the last 10 minutes all of a sudden he switches places with uh hinkle and he gets like, he gets picked up like he's he breaks out of the prison camp and he's with um his buddy the the uh nazi officer who was who's super um, british by the way who who's sympathetic to yeah. to the jews to the yeah. jewish people and yeah and he gets picked up i was once I realized that this movie was not silent and that I didn't have to be staring at it all the time and, and reading, I went and got my laptop and I was actually fishing in mm-hmm. uh, in a video game. So <laughs> I missed, like, I saw everything happening, but I was like, oh, he got picked up. Like, I couldn't remember what happened to the actual Hinkle. I think he got picked up. He he literally that's was the barber. I mean that, that, that's that's my kind of my point here is that, like it no, happened so fast. It happened so fast because what was trying to happen there was that the writer, which is Charlie Chaplin, was trying to get himself into a position where he could speak. Chaplin was trying to say, if I was Hitler, if for a day, this is what I would say, and this is what I would do. If if you know what, if you thought that I was Hitler because I look like him, this is what I want to say. I want to change everything that this person says, and I want to say that you should love people. You should not give in to greed. So his speech and his whole like swap was like kind of fantasy type thing. Like if I could just swap places and actually be Hitler, this is what I do. This is what I'd say. Don't let well, the it w- things you know. And it works. And it works on both levels. Like he could have just you know he could have just recorded the speech right right? and and shown it you know before other people's movies but that's not who he was he was a filmmaker he was a writer director and an actor and so you can sort of see and this is you know sort of conjecture on my part but again having said the the parallels between you know as you say if he's of this of a same age and of a vaguely similar appearance, same mustache uh, to Hitler. So he writes this story about a character that's not, it's not him. The barber's not him, but it's yep. more similar to him in personality and character um, than, than, than Hitler, Hitler is. And then 
and then he contrives a way in the story because yep. stories are all contrived yep. if they're not true um, to put the barber character on the platform. And it's, and it's a parallel to Charlie Chaplin in real life. Yeah. He's saying, you guys are comparing me to exactly. him and this is what I would say. So I'm right. going to write this character and have him say that. And it, it works on both levels. I don't think it, it, does. it really I don't does. think it removes anything from, uh, from the message no. for it being, for it being real. I, I completely 100% agree. And I, and I think it's a neat part. This is one of those things now that I, I have the ability to watch this movie in that kind of context is that, you know, knowing these things makes this a really neat movie. And, and, and the, the kind of small three minute topic or two minute topic that I, I want to even bring up is that how, how it's very relevant today. And you can watch this slapstick, funny comedy and about something terrible in our history with the Holocaust and persecution. And then at every minute thinking like, okay, this is somewhat maybe applying to today, but not, but not all things, but like so much of it is exactly word for word. What needs to be said today with the speech and the things that are happening. And it's, yeah, the, the speech is just as poignant today. With everything. I mean, he, he, hits on, he hits on technology and isolationism of technology and how, it, you know, the world, he, he mentions cars and trains and planes. And we have the Internet and our cell phones and things. Mm -hmm. But he says these things and he says that makes the world open to everyone and we are all communicating and we're this world wonderful thing. I mean, every word of that speech is 100% what we're saying for today just replace trains and airplanes with internet and cell phones. And, and he and, mentions, he mentions nationalism. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is, that is amazing. It's like it, you, I just had to sit, sit back. I listened to that speech three times because I had to sit back and say, those are words that if they were said exactly as it was today, that I would ha take pause and, you know, it would, make my heart swell a bit and it mm. he wasn't talking about today no he wasn't but he it means it and just and that that means that there are things that are happening in in this world today that we all as human beings need to pay attention to because it's historic it's that whole thing about if you understand history you will learn not to repeat it Mm -hmm. Right. And and this is the moment where we get to sit in the world and say, let's not repeat that thing that we had in history. And Charlie Chaplin saying the words today or back then that we should listen to today, as I'm sure someone else said back during the Inquisitions and got up and spoke <laughs> words. Right. I mean, these are the same yeah. kind of universal words, um, which was, I don't know, I loved it. And and you'll know it if you watch this movie and you've never watched it before and you get to that last five minutes and he starts talking to the camera. You're like, oh he's talking to me, right? Yeah. You know, the, not just the, the audience he's talking to me. So yeah, I, I really liked that. that All right. Let's, great. uh, let's, I don't, I don't have anything I can add to that. So let's, let's jump into final judgments. Um, sure. Ab absolutely. Uh, absolutely bucket list movie. Um, I don't think, how, wait, that, how do we judge this now? We, we, cause we got this like two Am I judging this? Am I giving you? Okay. A, like a okay. So I, 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 I said this in the spoiler section, but here outside of the spoiler section, we'll do, um, I don't know. We could do both. We'll see. We'll see how it works. So first okay. of all, 
is this movie a you know since we don't know and i i looked around i couldn't find whether this was made this movie list was made by one person i have to think it was a committee it was like a room full of people and they're like oh don't forget this one well what about this one you know oh you mean you mean the the movie poster. group thing kind of thing, thing the poster um so first off we'll ask if the movie is a movie that's put on there to enjoy that you shouldn't miss because it's fun and good and whatever or is it a movie that's significant in the history of film uh, uh i think this, this is... one is the latter yes but yes which is great i, I like that you we had these options on. This makes me really excited, Dennis, for, these, for our stuff, <laughs> because this is a perfect example of one that I don't think is good for one, but is absolutely perfect for another. Like, I, I don't think that if you watch this just because it's on at Christmas time and your whole family is there and let's all watch this fun movie. <laughs> let's watch this this comedy about Hitler. Yeah. Uh, where it all is, the names changed. Yeah, because it um, would just not be funny. It would not be funny enough. No, it, yeah. no. Um, so that's sort of that sort of answers the first two options in our, in our old category system of whether a movie is good or bucket list. Yeah. And then, um, but if you want to know about history and this place in film, man, this is definitely a bucket list movie, like 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think if you are really put off by old slapstick vaudevillian humor, um, and comedy and silent film, uh, kind of stuff you could just go on youtube and watch the speech at the end i think that's worth watching yeah um, that's a good point yeah and if but if you have any interest in in the history of film and and it's and it's context and you don't mind watching uh some sequences that are clearly you know belong in a silent film a charlie chaplin film you should definitely go check this out yeah i think i i think you could cut this movie down to watch the scene when he is uh, getting in getting in the fight with the officers about Jew written on the wall, and his interactions with Napoleon, not Napoleon, uh, uh, Napolini, uh, and then the, the last speech, and then you would have the whole movie, basically. Yeah, I think for me, I would say maybe watch the Hinkle speech and then watch these speeches at the end. Uh, oh yeah, garbage. Yeah, right. And the Hinkle speech is great because it's just like what ten minutes of crazy made up German. charlie chaplin doing doing nonsense german that uh, that was impressive that's you stuff, want to talk about like yeah. things in cinema history that dude did a great acting job right there yeah i, w- I wonder how much fair. was written down or and he just like just ad-libbed the whole damn thing i don't remember which this is one of those anecdotes that i i remember from film appreciation class but i don't remember which is which mm-hmm. um they contrasted uh Charlie Chaplin and Alfred Hitchcock and one of them would not film would not start rolling until he had the scene perfectly mapped out in his mind. Oh, that's got to be Hitchcock. I mean, that's got to be Hitchcock. I I can't remember which is which. I mean, the think other, about all the Dolly Crane work that he did and all the other kind of Well, stuff he did. I think about that, but then I also think about like there's a sequence in City Lights where the tramp kind of wanders through he like stumbles into one side of a car and out the other side in this very (laughs) complex choreography and i'm like yeah that doesn't seem like a thing he would have done until he had it all perfectly planned out but one of them would work it all out in his mind before he even started the other one would just reshoot 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 until it was perfect like they were both perfectionists but in a different way like at a different step of the process okay um 
I do know looking at uh, <clears throat> looking at IMDb here that Charlie Chaplin put out a movie like every four years, okay. so uh, four or five years, yep. and so maybe he was. Uh, well, both of those processes take a long time, so do. That doesn't really a lot of things support my argument one way or, or the you other. Just iterate, right? Well, it's a it's a good it's a good movie either way. Um, I I mean I guess I take it back. It's not a good way. It's a good movie for for appreciation of, of the of the stuff, but not not necessarily for. I, I definitely would not put this on a bucket list if you were just looking at the most entertaining movies, right? To, to watch in your life. Um, this is this. Is, there's a lot of there's a lot of shows that aren't on this list from that time period that you could definitely watch that that are more entertaining. Um, but yeah. So okay. So what do we, what do we got? So we moved from this like really now heady art appreciation kind of type <laughs> thing. What what are we gonna do next week? What's our what's our schedule? Um, we're gonna go back and rewatch because I am certain you've seen this. Uh, The Matrix. From oh, that, that's not that's not a political movie. I don't think. What is it? No. I, I don't think so. It's it's your sort of typical. Well, it's now typical, and and there were probably some very niche things before this. Kind of like before Hunger Games came out, there were a couple hundred people who knew about the um, Japanese film Battle Royale. Oh yeah. uh, About you know high school kids fighting to the death. But yes, uh, dystopian future. Um, are we living in a simulation? Um, AI singularity kind of story. And, everybody, and wait now. Everybody knows this. I know that some of the movies on our list. We have to watch all three movies. Is this one where we just watch one, or do we watch no, all three? No, no, no. The, the, there were no sequels to this one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I agree. It would be fine with just one. The so, yeah, uh, that's, that's what we got. Okay, so we're gonna watch The Matrix, and that's yep. got what's the what's the the girl's name Trinity in that? What's, what's her? Um, oh, right, her. Um, Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss. She's uh, most recently popular in Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Yep. Right, and then Neo from John Wick. Yep. Yep. Our our new Lord and Savior, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Right, it's, I, it's I didn't make I didn't make that joke last week, and I wanted to, but right, he, he's very he's very like Christ like in in that series, right? He's so. he's got that he's got that appearance, and the, the whole <laughs> internet loves him because of John Wick. Because of John Wick, but they loved him back then well, for this movie too. And, so and in you see him in interviews and stuff, and you're like, wow, this this guy is so much cooler than I realized. Just like a uh, polite and smooth and yeah. I mentioned uh, I watched Toy Story 2, right? Remember that? Or Toy Story 4, like, not, not too long ago. We talked about this last yeah, week. Yeah, we, we talked about it last week. Yeah, and yeah. and he plays uh, um, the Johnny or the... Canadian Evil the, Knievel. Canadian Evil Knievel, where he says, yes, I Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't realize until I was watching it that last time, it, the last thing in Toy Story that happens is, like, the big bunny and rabbit are shooting lasers out their eyes and stuff. Right. And And the Johnny, whatever his name says you can shoot lasers out of your eyes? And he says, yeah. And Johnny, a.k.a. Keanu Reeves, says, whoa. <laughs> and he does oh, yeah, it yeah, in his yeah. perfect Ted voice. I was like, yeah. that is so good. That's so, great. So everyone knows that, you know, he is he is the man, even back when The Matrix came out and before. So, yeah, okay, this is, this is fun. This is a different change. We're 
we're coming into what kind of era would you call this mid cinema era where you have um the early cinema of the 30s and 40s i mean this this movie is very impactful in the world of visual effects um, it is? It, yes. It's just it's just a couple years before Lord of the Rings and this is a different kind of like Lord of the Rings does some stuff with action but not the way that this movie does. Like a couple of these effects are so visually striking that they were um you know imitated in in a in an homage sort of way like this is cool we're going to do something similar down to like almost being parodied in right in so many things like I'm thinking about um, Shrek even does it when uh, Fiona is fighting off all the Robin hood guys. <laughs> right. You know, you know, I, I, it's funny. You want to talk about some things that I, not many things make me feel old, but when, when I look at the, the breadth of what we might call modern ish cinema, um, mm. what takes place from the thirties and forties, I know it was before then, but let's just say thirties and forties all the way to today, that's a good 80 year span. And when I started, I watched movies intently since like as many as I could get into obsessively since I was a little kid in the eighties. And so that, that means that like I have a history of the breadth of the last half of modern thing. And when I was watching cinema as a kid, that was what might be considered the, the middle ages of, of modern cinema. That makes mm. me feel old. That makes me feel old. That I oh, I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, it makes me yeah. feel old. That like those movies that I think of as classics and stuff are just like that's the middle meat of progression <laughs> because art, cinema, and movies is really an evolving art, right? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week in the differences between original Toy Story and Toy Story Four. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, again, I'll reiterate. I think original Toy Story holds up more than any other computer graphics uh you know cg films made probably from from that movie until maybe until dreamworks really started to nail it which might have been shrek may i don't mention shrek twice in the same five minutes right. but i mean aside from the other pixar films that followed um, right you know uh um maybe not so much uh bugs life but finding nemo and um the incredibles uh some of that stuff but still you compare toy story with toy story 4 and you're like oh this is this is advanced a lot it's the same way that we talked about at the beginning of the show in the way that technology has advanced and has advanced in a almost exponential um way i mean the the smartphone just really like the first iPhone was 10 years ago. Well, 11. It feels like a lot longer. And, and like you have the, you know, my, my dad likes to say, you got your brain in your pocket. Like if you, you know, unless you're in a, unless you're in a dead zone and don't have signal, you have access to all of human knowledge, right? Yeah. You've got the, you've got the hitchhiker's guide. Yeah. Uh, anywhere right you go. Um, and, and film is the same way like the technology improves at a at an exponential rate and stuff gets more affordable like it's still very expensive to make visual effects cuz it takes a lot of people still but um you know the kind of things that 
you know, one frame of animation in original Toy Story would take an hour and a half, you know, now uh, your modern gaming PC can do 60 of those in a second. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, the thing about like the yeah. Internet, you were just saying with the, the breadth of our knowledge and stuff is is interesting because you also said earlier in the show about when you're talking about people coming to cinema and seeing stuff for the first time, like when, when you were talking about the evolution of movies and cinema, the viewer is the ultimate judge on things. And back then, yeah. the the viewer was someone who had never seen moving pictures before. <laughs> right. right. And, and now today we have people us or becoming people who are included who have seen the width and breadth of all of cinema history, right up, up into this point. So when you launch a new movie, it can't just be based on me, a viewer having never seen pictures before it, you know, it has to, it has to be entertaining to someone who has seen so much and so different of everything that had been seen and still be entertaining. That's freaking challenging <laughs> right i mean you understand why you get dude like movies like dude where's my car where people are like i i, I don't even know i'm just gonna make a movie and do whatever right um, but when you get a, a a true incredible innovative movie whether it be through effects which we'll hopefully see next week uh, or storyline or whatever that's pretty notable right to see an original new progression of the cinema art form yeah i did i mentioned this last week but i did a thing that i have only done once before years and years ago uh zan and a couple other people that i i knew from bloomington this would have been like oh seven oh six oh eight somewhere around there mm -hmm. um went to the theater and saw one of the death notes um Oh, in the, the theater. Okay. Maybe the first live action, or it might have been animated. I don't remember anymore. But um, Zahn was definitely one of those who would, like, we would all go over to his house. And, I mean, like, me and another guy and him and his wife. Mm -hmm. uh, and we would watch something so weird. I'm like, what, what is this that we're watching? American Astronaut or... Um, <laughs> something nobody song. has right. nobody has ever heard of some indie you know kind kind of thing but we went to the theater and and saw death note and i heard from uh one of merlin man's podcasts that fathom events the organization that does um i don't know unique things at the theater okay at, at theaters like they have a network of participating theaters and they do these events um i had seen their ads in the theaters, but didn't really know what they were about. And they said that, uh, the, the guys on the podcast said that, um, they were going to be showing an anime, uh, movie, uh, millennium actress. And I mentioned this last week. Uh, right. There are places where you can find it online. And I sent you a link to one of those so that you can, you can watch it too. We could talk about it maybe next week. Yeah, I, um, I had I had seen Fathom Events come to to Indianapolis. I, I uh, there's a AMC seventeen. My favorite theater in Indiana probably is is there, um, or modern theater, I should say. Mm -hmm. it, it is um, it has Fathom Events was running Studio Ghibli events for like last year, and yeah, much they to do my that, they terrible do that every dismay, year, I, I missed I missed that. I missed all like last year they showed all of them, 
and I missed mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, even my daughter was like, we need to go, but I, I missed them all. <laughs> but that's kind of cool. Like, right. Like that they can, you can see some of these movies. I'm a big yeah. fan of watching these movies that should have been watched on the movie screen on those screens, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, we did this. I and, uh, Andrew and our two of my sisters who are here. Um, and I went into this with no, with no expectation at all. I have never seen this movie, but I, I'd heard it recommended on lists. I know that the two guys on the podcast, like studio Ghibli stuff. I'm like, it's, it might be kind of weird, but I honestly don't know anything about it. Um, it's, I think the movie is from Oh two. Let me look it up real quick. For, for, you mean the, the, the movie, the anime that you watched? And so anime. this is, this is, this is an anime. Yes. And, but, but fathom, wait, I don't want to get this wrong. Cause I have questions. Okay. Uh, Fathom Events isn't just anime stuff. No, and at when we were at the theater, they had some posters for upcoming events. I think they do live concerts or re you know, replayed con- maybe they're live, maybe they're replayed. They do um they do something with uh Rift Tracks, which is the Mystery Science Theater guys. Um oh. Do they do where the, they like, do? Do they do like the Broadway shows and stuff? Is that the same thing I see the advertisements for? Is same people? Sometimes some of that. I think they're showing uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture later oh. in the year. Wow, um, okay. Just all kinds of random things outside of the normal A list, you know, wide and limited release new film kind of thing. All right, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you be my internet real quick because I know everybody can go search this stuff up. Okay, explain to me, people listening well, maybe like me, they may have heard the phrase fathom events when you go to a movie and and God knows I go to the movies enough Mm -hmm. and and I don't like, so is it a company? Is it AMC? Is it, it's not AMC. Um, I thought it was AMC. And I said that last week because the Bloomington theater where it's showing is an AMC. And so is the Indianapolis one you talked about, but all three of the, the movies within an hour drive for me are not, amcs sorry okay. the participating theaters okay um i mean so is it like a series of is it a company that chooses movies and run i'm really confused at how this works because I, I always thought that the, the typical theater model was that a distribution company said i have these movies available and the theater says um i want to show these movies and give them to me okay is, is so that what fathom I'll, events is it's a distribution company i'll i'll read you the 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 whatever okay sure yeah, yeah off the website uh fathom events is owned by the nation's three largest exhibitors amc cinemark and regal entertainment group uh okay. i think the theater we were at was a cinemark Okay. Uh, this exclusive partnership, along with our wide network of 60-plus affiliates, delivers the most comprehensive live network of theaters to our event partners. Make an impact using our venues, expertise, and promotions to deliver astonishing results. That's interesting. That's some so, corporate speak for you. It is corporate uh, speak. But, I, I mean, it's, I it's think three it's just, big companies working together. Yeah, it's and it's like a, it's like a distribution network outside of the standard movie distribution systems 
That's right, kind of cool. It's like yeah, it's like the 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 movie cinema, like the end people, the people who own theaters, being able to actually kind of show the movies they want to see. Right, uh, instead of like what is the hottest so they, newest thing. They right? sh- they show some classic films. Um, in September they're showing Lawrence of Arabia. That's actually on our list. If we can work that out, we can hey, that see cool. it in the theater. Um, they're showing uh, Star Trek motion picture. They're showing Shawshank Redemption. Um, they're doing some kind of event for the 21st anniversary of Friends. So maybe that's a documentary or some episodes. See, this um, definitely sounds like I, I, you and I have talked about like open movie theater for like ever. And yeah. this sounds like one of those things that like why w- people get into owning a theater because they want to watch the movies they love in a movie theater. Right. Right. And this they is kind of like fine art stuff, ballet, um, yeah. Broadway shows or, I mean, or stage shows, AMC, Regal cinemas, Cineplex, they, they all need to make money. They're into the business of yeah. making lots of money with billions of dollars from Avengers Endgame, But, mm-hmm. and, and that's their, that's their money. But it, it this feels these it, correct me if I'm wrong this this fathom events feels like a hey this is the kind of movies that we like and it's a watch. way for it yeah it's like a way for the big corporate theaters to do these kind of uh, independent theater kind of events and you know what it doesn't and by looking at this stu, uh, studio Ghibli stuff it doesn't feel like they're doing it to make a ton of money it's not like they're going to make billions of dollars off Spirited Away showing it again. I don't think so. We we paid normal full price tickets, which were right. not not as were more expensive than I'm used to paying for tickets. But and and I'm assuming they're not like it wasn't a sold out theater. No, we it was weird. The theater had assigned seating, and I picked the wrong side of the aisle, which was kind of a bummer. <laughs> but okay. I. I understand that the ticket prices were almost twice what I normally pay because I go to a small independent theater normally, uh-huh. but um, they had these really big recliner kind of seats with elect- <laughs> electric recliners. Is this the first time you've been into a premium theater? Like, that's crazy. No, I mean, I've been in bigger name theaters, but they're still like, oh, this is a little better, like the seat divider things go up and actually the seats in the theater that i go to are fairly new like they're but this was like it was like your recliner at home like it's a yeah i know you know that's that's the one large large american sized seats and uh you know an electric recliner motorized recliner and enough space where if your feet are all the way up someone can still walk between yeah. the aisle that, that's and, the, uh, that's by the way that's what amc calls their premier theaters and I then see. all the other crap theaters which we have here in bloomin are called quote-unquote classic like because they just bought out care soats and yeah, yeah exactly and put their logo right. on everything and they put their logo on them so yeah the, the if you go to an amc premium theater that's what you're getting is those like you buy the, the seat that you see it's it's funny those people are in big cities are like this isn't what you do. You don't actually mm. buy your seat and get a sit. <laughs> like, no, that's why I go to Indianapolis to set up a flex 17 to, to sit in recliners and right. Watch Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, so you got to watch this in one of those. That's cool that they actually had that in one of those, you know, premium uh, yeah. theaters that you get to watch. Yeah. So we had, we had comfortable seats. Um, I was still able to get a beer at, you know, 
baseball oh, yeah. game prices. Yeah, right, um, yeah. You usually go to the Brokaw, right? Yeah, that's the right. local uh, local independent. Wait, how long did you, for our listeners who think that you live out in the sticks, how long did you have to drive to watch this fancy theater? Um, it was it was every bit of an hour drive. See, guys, you are too pissed off that you have to drive 15 minutes. Dennis drives <laughs> an hour to watch a cool movie. So, you know, I mean, the the absolute closest theater is five to 10 minutes from here. And it within the last five years started taking credit cards it was cash <laughs> only before then. That's and funny. it had four. It has four screens. Only one of them is quote unquote full sized. And they're like, <laughs> you know old 20 30 year old seats and whatever we don't go there you um, just don't go there because it's not worth it we're like uh i'd rather drive a half an hour to um yes. the brokaw is about a half hour away um there are one or two th- there are about three that are within 30 40 minutes um i as a general rule now always tell whoever's going to the movies with me that we need to leave by a time that is an hour before the movie starts, because okay. I know we never get out the door at the time that I say. <laughs> okay. And so I, I play a little social engineering game with that. Cause I'm like, like, I'm not in my twenties anymore. I would much <laughs> rather sit in a theater for 10 or 15 minutes than get there. Like while the previews are still going and not be able to find a decent seat, because if you're not in a giant theater <laughs> with big electric reclining seats, the only good seats are the very front before the aisle with a railing in front of them right. so that I have somewhere to put my feet and my legs. I right. have you, a little you know, restless it, it does leg make, syndrome. It does make you hope that uh, uh, hopeful for the future that, uh, that those movies that we go to now are going to just get phased out. And as new ones get made, it will be a world where we just pick our seats, <laughs> you know, and it can bring our beers to our, our, our seats and it's totally okay. Yeah. I mean, it is a case where... I had the sticker shock of buying the the tickets, <laughs> but then we got in there and I was like, oh, I see what we're paying for. It's yes. not like where AMC takes over and calls the theater AMC Classic and all the prices go up by a dollar or two, but everything's the same. You're like, yeah. you didn't you didn't upgrade any, anything. Why are you charging us more? Right. I, I will say that um, I, I'm not doing this because I'm not getting we're, no, we're not getting a dime from AMC. But mm. I, I have the AMC A list thing, which I've decided I dropped the YouTube. You mentioned that a couple times. I did. I I, I dropped the YouTube thing m- many months ago. Mm-hmm. It was thirty dollars a month YouTube Live or TV, mm. or whatever it was, and YouTube decided TV. to pick up this AMC thing. And it's twenty. It was thirty dollars a month, and now it's only twenty dollars a month, and I get three three free movies a a week. Um, that that uh, if I go to one of those premium movies, I still get free. Like you, you had the sticker shock. It would cost me nothing. Yeah, it becomes it. it becomes economical at that at that point. At the oh yeah, at the Brokaw, the tickets are six or seven, so that's exactly. basically the same. But yeah, exactly. if you're going to a to an AMC and paying twelve bucks, yeah, that yeah, totally. And and then and I can go watch an IMAX if I want to. I remember as I was long as you remember to go to the theater three times a month and don't. Oh I, yeah, it's it's three times a month, which is which for me is normal type thing. Yeah. Um, but but the the uh, and then all the other benefits I'm I'm not going to shill that, um, but the the uh, the thing is that I went went to like when I was at Gen Con I had to stay for Sid we I talked about this a little bit on the, on the air was that uh, 
I could just go watch a movie in IMAX and watch half of it, actually. It didn't cost me anything more than what I'd watch in the premium seats and recliner chairs and curl up with a blanket if I wanted to, you know, nice. and it, nice. it was $15 usual, but I didn't have to. If I did, there's no way I would pay for that. Right. <laughs> right. right. The sticker shock would have had me like no way, but it's what you pay. All for. right, man. I yeah. Think, uh, we, we yeah. talked a lot about dictators and politics, which we don't do, but we did. We don't, we don't do. I, I could have talked about Final Fantasy fourteen, but honestly, I'm, I'm getting into that game hard to distract myself from the fact that we're a week away from Classic WoW, and I'm you're going to be playing to... WoW Classic on our next show. That's right, during our show, you're going to be in the queue. yeah dur- during our show. I don't think it'll be next week. We'll see. I'll have to I'll have to talk to him and find out. But I am in. T- have been talking to my old uh, guildmaster from when I raided, which was Ooh, like juicy. ten years ten years ago. Um, I want to I want to nice. have him on the show. He's a cool guy. He he um he used to brew beer. I don't know if he still does. Um, nice. There's a but, lot that goes into guild leading. That's that's a, yeah. It's a whole it's like, like talking to the president. I get that. it's a whole thing. And I think when I when I joined the guild that he ran, it was his first time guild leading. I think that'll be an interesting. Uh, conversation so i'm, I'm excited to have i mean him on. anyone who's played mmos and done any kind of even come close to thinking about reading it's it's good to, to to hear from a guild leader's perspective from that kind of very top it's kind of almost talk like talking to a ceo or at very most a a regional manager type thing about, yeah i know. think i think it has a lot of similarities to like managing people in a job or you know more accurately maybe like um leading like a, a football like, team like a church or a yeah a, a sports like a a kids sports team or something where you get emotions involved and egos and and it's that very kind of much stuff. like and a coach it's very much I, like a football coach i think it'll be i think it'll be really interesting yeah so yeah well we gotta have them on look yeah, forward to there. that coming up. okay so you're gonna you're gonna watch that and next week i, I also want to talk to you about some like cartoon reboots we got happening i want to see what you think about i so, yeah. i guess and i knew about this but i hadn't seen it um Robert Downey Jr. did a did a movie about Charlie Chaplin that um, oh yeah yeah I if we that. can find I think it's on streaming so I'll I'll check and and let you know but if you have time that might be an interesting thing to watch yeah I want to watch that I want to watch that anime I'll watch it with Sid this week and I'll try to give you a little bit of feedback on what she thinks about it as well yeah it was an interesting uh, film and, okay cool yeah all right you've been listening to the front porches this is episode one zero four. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, there are more commas in there, uh, you could check out our other show, KlingonsAndDragons.com. It's not safe for work. We New episode went up. Fun. Good time. We did. We did. We didn't play for very long because our buddy Pat wasn't feeling well. But, yeah, and then next, we're going to play. Next week, we'll make up for it. Again in two weeks and uh, hopefully wrap up that episode. Yeah. Um, anyway, check that out, klingonsanddragons.com. If you have questions, comments, feedback on the show, you can email us, oldschoolfrontporchpod at gmail.com. Over on our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms, got the schedule for the 100 movies. As I said earlier, we're watching Matrix next week, so play along at home. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. <laughs> Good night, everybody. See you next time.